listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, as always, thanks for tuning in. From a pandemic to demands for a police overhaul, the pressure on elected officials to act and legislate with urgency seems like it has never been greater than it is right now. And it is also a presidential election year. Needless to say, there is a lot happening in Washington, D.C. these days, and here to talk about it with us is Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. Welcome to Detroit Today, Debbie. Good morning, Steve. Good morning to everybody listening, and it's good to be with you. Yes, great to have you here. So let's talk about where Congress is with passing a police reform bill. We saw the Senate try with a bill that Democrats were unhappy with, and so that effort ended. Then we saw the House pass its own bill that Democrats were much happier with, but it needs an audience in the Senate to move forward. Are we are we stuck on this issue in a way that uh, politics is going to foil any chance for us to get something done? You know, I, I refuse to say it's done. I know a lot of people are skeptical that there's any ability to bring people together, but I think we're at a moment in time in our history and in a crossroads where we have the ability to get some things that have to be done done. We need to ensure that, uh, I mean, the fact of America is when you are black in America, you are not treated the same as a white if you are stopped by law enforcement in many cities, not all cities. Mm -hmm. And we have an opportunity to ban chokeholds, to keep a national database, uh, uh, complaints that are filed against uh, policemen, ensure that cameras are on in vests, uh, ensure that there's better training, etc. Uh, I, I would like to think that we could find a way to find some common ground and still do something this year. It's hard. Everything's hard in life. But we shouldn't stop trying to make it happen. Mm. Uh, what are the things that for you, are most important that we get changed with any legislation that, that goes through? What, what, what reforms do you think police need to, need to well, embrace? Well, the ones that I just mentioned are absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we still need to have law enforcement. It, it, defund police is a, a, a misleading phrase. Both Karen Bass, who's chair of the Black Caucus, and Jim Clyburn, who's the highest African-American leadership said phrases should mean what they say. And we do need to invest more in training for our law enforcement in many communities. When you're in the 12th district like I have in all of our downriver communities, those police officers are are social workers, just like the teachers have become in the schools. And they're taking care of domestic abuse cases are one of the worst cases that law enforcement can handle. We need, we've got veterans that suffer from post-traumatic stress. We've got, do you know how many wellness calls I, I asked various chiefs to do in the course of the last three months because I was scared about what people were saying and how desperate some people were? So we need to make sure that they've got the tools that they need. And quite frankly, we need to ban things that kill people, like chokeholds. Mm. Uh some Democrats are calling for more progressive changes than those backed by Joe Biden, um, who says that he wants more funding for community-based policing 
what are your thoughts on the Democratic candidate for president's stance on police reform? I, I think that we got to get the election done in November. I think we do need more community-based policing is another word for some of the things that I was just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have to have a real conversation about what further changes we want. But if people get out and elect a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president, then we will have the forum to have those significant and real conversations. But they're not real right now because we have a Republican Senate that doesn't even want to do the basics of what we passed in the House last week, and we have a president who's never going to sign any of this. So I'm also focused in November, and I think that Joe Biden will listen uh, if we get a Democratic Senate. So you and I have had conversations over the years, many conversations uh, about elections and uh, polls and predictions. Uh, (laughs) I want to ask you about Democrats this year and this fall and the election in November, which right now seems like uh, Democrats have a real advantage over the president. You are somebody who is always warning against taking that too seriously. What are, what are you saying right now about the about the polls? Uh, I haven't changed. <laughs> uh, I mean, if I, th- I think that if the election were held today, Joe Biden would likely win it in Michigan. But I am going to tell you that there's no way that he's 16 points up. Mm-hmm. That same pollster uh, on October 6, 2016 and on October 20, 26, 2016, had numbers that said Hillary Clinton could and did say Hillary Clinton couldn't lose. She had it in the bag, and mm. you saw what happened, and mm. I was still debating that with you on Election Day, as mm-hmm. you recall. Yes. But uh, what I'm concerned about is that I don't want to suppress votes. Uh, the election's still four months away, and we've seen the world that we all live in turned upside down in the last five months, and none of us would have anticipated what we are experiencing today is what we would have uh, said five months ago. So many things can happen between now and November. I am being very, very careful, but I am out again. Uh, Been to 17 community gatherings, protests, marches, whatever word the community is calling them. And I have had Trump voters come up even in those settings. I listen to them. I respect them. I don't yell at them or turn away. And they are still there and very... Uh, with deep beliefs, and I hear from them, by the way, like you do on social media, and uh, my uh, trolls are in full force, too. <laughs> so I, 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 I think we've got to be very careful. I think that every person needs to know that their vote matters and that nobody can take this for granted. And if we didn't learn that four years ago, and this election is the most important election of our lifetime, Steve, it is going to decide the future of this country. Mm. Um, do you worry about the effect or the lingering effects of the pandemic on voting, on turnout? Uh, or do you think we're doing the things that we need to do to make sure that people feel safe voting and feel like they can exercise their rights the same uh, as they always do? I think what's very important is that people know they can vote for home, from home. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to encourage uh, absentee uh, ballot applications are being mailed to every registered voter in the state. 
uh, I think both sides are going to be calling and encouraging people to return them and tracking them. And it is safe to vote from home. So what we have to do is to ensure that every person's engaged and that they know that their vote matters and that they do return their application and they do vote and return their ballot by Election Day. Um, we uh, we were talking earlier about the Supreme Court and the decision in the Louisiana uh, abortion case. Uh, we were also talking about this late uh, spate of opinions in the in the term here. Uh, many of them going the way that liberal uh, activists and politicians would would prefer, even though this is a court that has a majority of conservative justices who've been appointed. I wonder what your reaction is to, to what we're seeing specifically in the abortion case, but then also in DACA and uh, in the civil rights case uh, w- with re- regard to LGBTQ protections for employment. Um, how, do you th- how are you taking all of this in? I'm trying not to overread. I do think it's very important. We have three branches of government. And the Supreme Court is supposed to be an independent branch that interprets the law mm-hmm. and does it in an objective, non-political way. And many people have worried that the court was becoming political. I think it is too early to know if our justices are really trying to stay above the law. But I think that there are men on this court that, uh, well, the women too, but, you know, the women you take for granted because they're good. They're strong, and when they were appointed, you knew that. But who are worried about the direction of where this country is going and that they do not want to see the Supreme Court politicized. Uh, I don't know if that's going to hold, but I do think that there are some justices. I'm not sure of all of them. I you know, know most of them, have talked to some of them, but haven't had, trust me, any kind of deep conversation with especially the last two that were appointed uh, about the political direction of the Supreme Court. But I I think they know that our democracy is at stake, partially over what happens at the Supreme Court. Hmm. Um, So when we we talk about uh, federal response to COVID, and you and I have talked about that before, uh, do you think that there is more that needs to be done uh, before we get to the fall when I think everything is really going to be reopened and we're going to be maybe facing uh, some some different challenges than, than we expect? Uh, give us an idea of what you think Congress ought to be preparing for uh, as we go forward. So first, I want to say that I don't think that everything's going to be reopened and be normal Mm. in the sense that we all think that it should be. Mm. We are not going to be, our new normalcy is going to be different than what normal was for us before. And until we have a vaccine, people are going to be wearing masks. Schools are not going to be running the same way. Workplaces are not going to be able to have full occupancy. There are going to be a lot of things that are different. And I think we're going to see significant spikes again. And when you combine the flu into this, we got to be we got to use common sense. We've got to wear our masks. And I was glad to see Vice President Pence finally put on a mask and say to people, wear your masks. We've got to try to keep physical distance. And we've got to wash our hands. But we need to right now be uh, worried about the supply chain. Mm-hmm. We need to be restocking the national stockpile. We know that we are going to see increased cases again in some of the places where it's gone down. And you're seeing 
horrifying numbers in Texas, Florida, Arizona, California. We need to make sure that we are better prepared. That they've got the medicines available, and one of the outrages of this week is that the remdesivir, which is the most effective medicine in trying to diminish the uh, horrific impacts of COVID, is now uh, uh, it's three thousand some dollars, and they're char- the same company is charging European companies far less. Hmm. That's not right in America. So we've got to do a lot just to make sure we're ready for what could be a significant increase. Okay, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, Democrat from Dearborn, who represents Michigan's 12th Congressional District. It is always wonderful to have you here with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow when we're going to take a closer look at Detroit's new auto insurance options, and we'll have a conversation about President Trump's struggles to effectively attack Joe Biden. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.